right now, I need you to listen. Because with me trying to get your attention, there's somebody in the building that possibly could be a lot more successful than I am at getting your attention. The Bible says, and I'm going to say this again in just a few minutes. The Bible says he's not here for any other reason but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you don't think that happens in church, he's already succeeded with you. Because what's about to happen is I'm about to read out of the 133rd Psalm. I can talk about prayer requests and announcements all day long. But man, when I get to this right here, he knows that if you just get a little bit of this into your system, he's going to have a hard time with you with a lot of things because you're going to stand on it, you're going to quote it, you're going to live by it, and you're going to grab it when it seems like you're sinking. So he's roaming to and fro right now. I'm asking you to listen and to look and focus, be intentional and be determined, but listen to me. He knows you have things at home that you left. He knows you have a phone or a device close by. He knows you have a spouse or a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a child. He knows everything. He knows if you don't feel good right now. He knows this. So what you have to do is understanding as fast as I'm trying to throw the seed out, he's coming. And yeah, I, I'm going to probably move today, so you all just have to just stay with me. He's coming, and as I throw it out and trying to pick it up, he's not wanting you to take it home, all right? Because if you take it out of this building, he knows you can whip his butt later on. I got to say it in a way where you'll pay attention. If I just try to use some politically correct language, I'm not going to cuss, okay? I'm not going to cuss. But he knows that you can deal him a blow that he's not expecting if you take the word home. The worship's good. The announcements are good. But if you take the word out of here, it's over with, folks. So I want you to listen. I want you to pay attention. If it's on your mind, I want right now. I want you to. T I'm taking time because this is so critical today. This right here is the pivot point for what I've been talking about for 10 minutes about over there and inside this church. It's all hinging on what we're about to look at. So you got to be, you got to be mindful right now. Don't let him steal from you. If people have to get up and excuse themselves, listen, you stay in the zone, all right? Okay, so I'm going to just hold my breath. I don't need a Kleenex later on. Better not do that. Y'all, it gets graphic in here sometime, amen? You know those little captions they give you at the bottom, viewer discretion advised? I know I leak and drip sometimes. And I don't want to subject y'all to that. But I'm glad I do it for Jesus. So is everybody with me? Ain't but three whole verses. I, we can't afford to miss any of them. Ain't but three of them, y'all. So, the Bible says this. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. 
good and pleasant. For brethren to dwell together in unity. Got to read it again. Maybe three verses, y'all. Behold. Here's the benefits. How good it is and how pleasant. When I think of good and pleasant, I think of food. Right? I think of a good restaurant that can lay it out there, friend. But the Lord says it's good and it's pleasant when church people come to church for church with no other reason but church on their mind. He said it's good and it's pleasant and it's pleasant. And when you achieve unity, you get the good and the pleasant part, all right? Because many people leave out of this church and all churches pretty much every week, and it's not really good and present. It was pleasant. And so, so, it was good. Sometimes I like that, you know. The water was really cold when I drank the water out of the water fountain, but it wasn't good and pleasant. That's because unity is not in the building. And unity is not something we can put on a slide or we can hand out to you. So, behold, look, pay attention, focus, make sure you don't miss how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It, number two, it is like, here's an association, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Running down on the edge of his garments. So this is like, let me, let me just stop there for a minute and tell you what this is like, what David's talking about. He said, man, when you have unity going on in a church, it's like when Aaron was priest with his brother Moses, and he would be anointed with oil. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, oil in the Bible represents the anointing of God. It, it, it represents the presence of God. And, and you are at a plateau. It doesn't matter what you do. I don't even care if you hold that white door open right there, or you sing, or play an instrument, or you teach, or, or run a, a, a device or something. It doesn't matter what you do. Man, when you have, I've said man three times, hadn't I? When, when you have the oil of the anointing of God on you doing that, you are leap years, light years away from everybody else that's just doing the same thing. But it's like, for instance, you know, you can hear, you can hear some people preach sometimes and you're just waiting on them to get through but then you can hear some other people preach sometimes and you can't hardly even contain yourself because you can feel the power and presence of God. It happens up here, singing, people playing instruments. It happens when characters, uh, whether it's Mackie Miming or some of the characters, it, it happens when they never open their mouth but what they are doing, they're anointed. Because back in Aaron's day, when he was anointed as priest, 
that anointing, that oil that went over his head, down his beard, down his clothes, all the way to his feet, it, it, was, it was an oil, an ointment that they mixed with spices and everywhere the priest would go, people around him could smell him. I can say this and I can not get in trouble, I don't think, because this is a compliment. A man that works for Derek and them, his name's John, all right? John, when John, now see, I just realized I've just put my foot in my mouth, maybe sort of, because Carson works there and Derek works there and other people, but I'm not saying that what I'm about to say means the opposite of what I'm about to say. But when John comes to service our unit, whether it's at the house or the school or the church, now all of them look good, they dress good, but John, when he gets out the van and I get anywhere close to the van because I like to go greet him, that, that fella, I almost said man and I almost said joker. Angie's gotten me about saying joker and I've already been self-conscious about saying man. But that fellow, when he gets out of that, that one-hour van, I can smell him. It's like he just got out of the shower and sprayed. I don't know if it's Brute 33 or what it is, but he smells so good. He could be working on an air conditioner all day long. But he looks like they're about to take a picture and do a mass campaign for their company. I mean, he's just, he, his, he smells good. I mean, he just smells good. Now, what I was saying, I don't mean that Derek stinks and I don't mean that Carson stinks when I get around them. I don't mean that. And somebody almost called my bluff on that. Eric said, wait a minute, let's talk about Carson. Anyway, so let me get to this. When Aaron was anointed with oil, it's like people around him, they could smell, they could smell the anointing on him because it was, it was symbolic of the oil, the ointment that was, that was used to anoint him. But he had the goods too. When you have unity in this church, and I'm going to stay local today, but it applies to all the groups in the church, and it applies in your home. When you have unity and you achieve unity, and I'm going to tell you how to get there in a moment, when you have it, it creates, it creates a presence around you, and people know you are the real deal, and it's like those apostles, they could tell they had been with God. People know that you are legit, you're not a hypocrite. You're not going through the motions. You're not here to soothe your conscience today. They know that you've been anointed. In fact, you can get around people that's got the oil, the anointing, the presence of God in their life, and it's from their head to their toe. It doesn't matter what they do. If it's a singer, they can sing a, a current worship song, or they can break out in Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and hallelujah. And that's all they get out. And then the whole church breaks out weeping and shouting and praying because 
of the anointing. See, it's not the content all the time, and we focus on the content. We focus on everything else, but we need to focus on the oil, folks, because the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing makes the difference. It takes a dry, dead church and turns them into a juicy, alive church. People say, I at least got to go check that out because I see them walking around work every day. They're different. They got the same memo I got, but they're handling it different. When I asked them to pray for my husband, when I asked them to pray for my child, it was a lot different than when I asked the other person. Anybody catching where I'm coming from yet? Hold on just a minute because, see, it can be all over you. That's why David said when you have unity, it's like the oil that went all the way from Aaron's head to his feet. So you can not only have it on you, you can walk in the anointing. You can walk in the presence of God. You can walk in the Spirit of God because you have it from your head to your feet. And we can have that church when we have the unity that the Bible says because we know it's good. It's what we just said. And we know it's pleasant. And I know when I walked out of this place last week, Oh, buddy, it was all good, and it sure was pleasant. And when I got home that afternoon, me and Eric was just talking about this for church. I couldn't have talked. I was kind of hoarse on Monday morning, but, man, I loved it to death. I'd love to be hoarse today when I got through because I left here in a pleasant way. I left here in a good way last week. That's because we had some unity going on at this altar. It took to the end of the service, but we got there and everybody that was still here was all in it and you loved it to death. If that was you, say amen. amen. Yes, amen. Yes, it was. It was good. It was a good God. Now, verse 3 says it like this. It's like the dew of Hermon. And that, that verse right there, kind of, when, when, when you read this part right here, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. The, the mountain of Hermon was way away from town. It was hours drive. And for, for dew... From there to make it all the way into town several hours away in, in Israel, in, in, in Jerusalem, for it to make it all the way into town, that was hard to understand. But see what it was, in the northern part, this is almost on the Lebanon border, Hermon, Mount Hermon. It was full of snow, snow-capped mountains. And so over, overnight in the day, it, it would... It would melt, come down the mountain, and in the valley down there, it would be due, and it would flow. And that's the way the unity is. When, when you have the unity, there's something else that goes on. Not only do you have good worship, do you have good preaching, do you have good fellowship, do you have a good prayer life when you pray for people, when you do things. Not only that, church, but I want you to pay attention to this. The Bible tells us that there... Like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion, or the mountain of Zion, there is where the Lord, that location, when you get in that zone, when you get in that groove called unity, there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life 
forevermore. I guess that's why that in the 23rd Psalm, David knew that if his head was anointed with oil, then his cup would be running over. Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible tells us, you see, we got a lot of people here today, but the Bible says, you know, two or more. And it also says that two are better than one. You ever wondered why Why two is better than one? Because all I got to have is somebody else to get hooked up with me on the same page with me at the same mindset as me. Bible tells us that more than one place, by the way. Then the Lord says, I'm there. I can pour it on. I can pour it out. I can lather you up. You can have it all over you. You can walk on it. That's why two is better than one. That's why at the end of this altar service last week, we talked about how the devil loves one of the telltale signs you need to watch out for is called isolation because what he will do, and we said this, so I'm repeating myself, if he notices that in a, uh, a pack of sheep or something out in the, uh, on the hillside, he'll wait till he finds one by itself that's kind of struggling and he moves in. That's why there needs to be unity and there also needs to be presence as far as me and you, our physical bodies being in the house of God. Because he knows that if he can isolate you long enough, he's going to separate you. And he usually separates people and does what that wolf does to that sheep, which is kill them. Because he's coming to devour He's roaming, he's seeking, he's looking to devour. So if he can isolate you, get your feelings hurt, don't like that we're doing stuff over at the campus, or you don't like the music, you don't like it that you came in church and it was 65 and when you left it was 78 degrees and you can't figure out why they can't get it fixed. It ain't that at all. We're waiting on a compressor. There's something called COVID-19 that's blessed the planet with short inventory. I don't know how inventory catches that virus, but apparently it's called everything from ink pen springs to everything we know of, tires for my van, and everything else you can think of. So folks, when he isolates you long enough, then he will separate you. You'll be at the house, well, they're streaming anyway. Well, sometimes the, the oil ain't streaming. I ain't saying you can't get a blessing at home, but I'm telling you this. I'm telling you that two are better than one. I'm also telling you that the Lord loves it when people get together and they take no foreign answer. I'm not missing church. I'm not staying out of church. I'm not going to sleep this one in or watch the replay later on. I'm going to be there because it might be my presence with their presence that's the missing piece of the puzzle that generates that that unity that causes the place to explode and me to go out of here and walk into my house and pray over my son or daughter or husband's room and they get saved and they don't know why they're getting saved but it's because you left a unified church service and now you've got oil dripping all over you. Now, you're witnessing unity in the world right now at an alarming rate. As I've often referred to the Billionaire Boys Club that is so graciously being used by the dark world right now. They may not like each other. 
But since, well, it, in here again, way before uh, March of last year, they've found some common ground. And they've all kind of gotten together, and they love it. They love what's going on. They're controlling everything. <clears throat> you know, I can go all the way back to the first time we got censored and jerked off the app store. I'm not wasting time again saying the same things over and over again. And this is what's so bad about it. We are living in, don't care how people feel. I'm way over all that. Listen to me. They are so unified to play their part and place their money and manipulate their, their resources to do this. To kill, steal, and destroy. And who does that sound like to you? Who else does that? Have you all ever heard of anybody else that does that? I've been witnessing it. A long time, many months, way over a year now. And in the upcoming weeks and months that we're about to face, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something before I, I do have another scripture I want to read to you. But in the next upcoming week and, weeks and months, you need to have unity in your life. We need to have it in this church more than we've ever had it before. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't mean you, you're always going to see things the way other people see it. It doesn't mean you're going to like what they wear. It, it doesn't mean you're going to appreciate things uh, that you know that they did when they were a sinner or last week. But what it does mean is this right here, folks. It means that at church time, you, block, you, you rebuke and you resist every bit of that. You're not, you don't let it tag along with you inside this place right here because you don't want to be counterproductive in the house of God. You don't want to be single-handedly the aching that stops the victory in the house of God because you just got to hold on to something that you can't let go of. And I'm telling you, the person that may be the person that you just don't appreciate the most might be the person that saves your life spiritually, physically, some other kind of way later on down the road. Somebody inside of your unity house of worship. Because things are going to get tight. Jesus, he's all I need. He's all I need. He's all I need. He's all you're going to have too. And he's only going to be recognizable in people that are in unity, in one mind, and in one accord. Now listen to what God does. We know it's good and pleasant. But over in Leviticus, in, in, in that last verse, verse 3, is actually drawn from David knew what Moses had said in Leviticus. Verse 17 says this, Therefore you shall not oppress one another. Well, I ain't oppressing nobody. Do you talk about them? You oppress them. God don't sleep. God don't slumber. Do you have feelings in your heart? You oppress them. Therefore, you shall not oppress one another, but you shall fear your God. For I am the Lord your God. 
So, verse 18 says, So you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them. That's a lot to do right there. It means you don't have time to be driven by social media or television or anything else. I've got a full-time job observing the statutes of my God and keeping His judgments and performing them. I don't have time to worry about why I don't like or appreciate you and I'm just not going to go to church or I'm going to smile at you in a hypocritical way. No, I don't have time for that, folks. The Bible says this, and you will dwell in the land of safety. I need for multitudes, church, to be in one mind and one accord because if no other reason, there is a remanufactured or redistributed coronavirus they're calling the Delta, and it really is out there doing what it was intended to do all along. And if you're going to be safe anywhere, I want you to at least be safe in the house of God. And if you have unity and you keep the word of God, you can dwell in safety, the Bible says. And it's a lot. you got to swallow pride. you got to swallow conversations you have with each other at home and things that you know, wounds that you didn't ask for, but they're there. You've got to do this. You know, the Bible says, hallelujah, that no greater love can you have than to lay down your life, and I'm repeating stuff, for your neighbor or your friend or your church brother or sister. Sure, that means physically laying your body down, but I also have been under the the impression that God meant, no, you lay your life down right now. Your life of I don't like, I don't appreciate, I wish they'd just go somewhere else. You know, they're going to bring a bad name to our church. You lay that life down so that we can dwell in safety here. You lay that life down for your brothers and sisters in the Lord so the Holy Ghost can drip off of us, can drip off of me, drip off of these people up here, and we can see God do greater things that Jesus said would happen after he went away. He's gone away, and so it's time for the greater things to take place, church. So you got to lay your life down sooner or later or it might be your life that causes somebody to come in here and get sick and die. Got to be real today. Can't play. Got to be real. This is real. Unity's on the line. This is a dead service without the anointing of God. I don't care how polished it looks, how good the scenery is, the music is, the preaching is, or anything else the display is or how properly the church has been clean. It doesn't matter. That's surface stuff. What matters, we can be in an old shanty somewhere of a warehouse with old fans hooked up to generators and it can be slammed full of the Holy Ghost because everybody's there for the same reason and they love each other. So we've got to get to that place where all we want is to be in one mind and one accord. Now this Bible right here goes on to say not only will you dwell there in safety, but listen to verse 20. And if you say, what shall we eat? Because earlier in this chapter, he said, you know, you're going to keep, keep this, this Sabbath. You, you're going to do six years of this. And then on the last year, the seventh year, Sabbath year, year of Sabbath, you're not going to do anything. 
So they were wondering about refrigerators and freezers and, you know, all those things. And he said, so if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce? Then he said, I will. This is the Lord. He says, if you do all this, he said, then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year and it will bring forth produce enough for three years. So if you say, Pastor, I'm not going to spend another hour or day or second of my life in the middle of bondage, the bondage of discord or bitterness or, well, I'll just avoid. You don't think God can read that? No, but I'm going to dwell in unity. I'm going to lay down my life for the sake of unity. And I love that because you can't fake unity. You can smile and nod and then go home and literally have somebody for lunch. You can do that. But the Lord knows that. And next Sunday, when you're waiting on the oil to drip and fall and saturate, and say, well, no, you brought a friend with you today. It ain't going to happen today. 12 o'clock will be here soon, and you just going back to where you come from because it ain't going to happen today. You decided to come with that root. You decided to come. So I, 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 you, you keep your grudge. I, I'm, I'm keeping my oil. You, you keep your bitterness. I'm keeping, I'm just going to keep my blessing. I, I won't command it. You see, a lot of us spend a lot of time praying, praying, oh God, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. I need you to, if you bless me, I'll bless the church. If you bless me, Lord, I, oh God, I will give, Lord, I'll do. If you will bless me. So instead of, let's just, let's, let's just change it up. Let's just, instead of praying to God to bless us, how about let's start today dwelling in unity and watch get God sit back and command blessing to come into your life. Command blessing to come into your family. Command blessing to come into your body. Command blessing to come into your pocketbook. Command blessing to come in over your children. Command him to come into your job or your school. God said, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll command the blessing. But you got to be in one mind and one accord. You got to be in unity. You see, unity, true unity, does that. It, it generates. It generates something. It generates blessing from the hand of God. And not only does it generate blessing from the hand of God, you have oil on you all the time. I could get real specific about people that have attended or attends our church that has been in another church or churches or they were out of town visiting and all that. And I can tell you right now, you know, stuff's kind of weird in there. You know, they got buildings and the preachers. Well, man, that church is on fire. That church is a lot. You could just tell their singing was different. I'm preaching to y'all today, whether you're taking it in or not. I am laying that seed out there, and I pray in the name of Jesus 
you are not allowing that booger man to take it back because the Lord wants to bless you in unity. Unity. When you have unity and I have unity, then it automatically equals. Unity equals oil and blessing. So if you get unity, you're going to get the oil. You're going to get the anointing. You're going you're to be different. I don't care. I told. I don't know if it was Dave Dravecki that played for the 49ers. I uh, can't remember, but he lost his arm, and he was a pitcher. And he's got a great testimony. It was one, but there are several, even in the world of sports, but in in, in other areas uh, of of athleticism and all that. That they, when they got up to do what they did, they were at a different level. They were more precise. People loved them more, and it was all because they had the anointing. Of, see, it doesn't just apply to church. It applies in your class. It applies on the football field, the cheerleader. It applies everywhere you go, everything you do. When you have the oil, when you have the anointing on you, and also not just the church, it's got to be in your house. If you live in a chaotic house because there's no unity there, the only time there's unity when everybody's gone but you, that ain't unity. That's the show on Thursday night called Alone. That ain't unity, though. You might call it peace and quiet, but that ain't unity. And you're not going to have it in your house until you make sure that this house has been set aside as a place of worship. This is our sanctuary away from the sanctuary of God on Calhoun Road. And what we, we're careful. We're careful what comes through our house on Netflix. Or we're careful what kind of games our children play. Yes, games. We're careful on what music streams through our house and what we just allow. And I'm telling you right now, I know people hate me talking about television. And so that only motivates me to talk more about TV. But I'm telling you, not only mainstream media news, but if your entertainment comes from a secular network, you need to find you a new network. I hit rock bottom on that one. You need to find you a new... You are what you eat. But pastor, I just watch it for just to relax. No, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. In the eyes of the underworld, you are a human sponge. In the eyes of Satan, I got them right. They, they see no harm in this. What did I tell you about 30 minutes ago? I said he isolates and then he separates. You'll find out you're watching this, this series you've got to keep up with. You've got to know what happened. Oh, it's so good. I wonder how they write these kinds of stories, you know, you know and some of it can be weird stuff. And what you don't realize, I don't care if there's no nudity there or there's no sex or there's not even really uh, graphic violence that you see, but there's murder everywhere and there's innuendos uh, galore and all that. See, we, we pick up on stuff even when we don't think we're picking up on stuff. We, we can have something playing, and I'm trying to land a plane here, y'all. We can have something playing in the other room and be in the kitchen, the bedroom, the bathroom, or somewhere else. And because he's the prince, is everybody hearing me before I say this? Because Jesus said he's the prince of the power of the air. You don't need to be confused about it. 
You watch TV because it's transmitted through the airways. I don't care if you got cable. There's satellites involved, folks. He's the prince. I just, I just said that not to get loud or nothing like that. But people come to me with ignorant stuff sometimes. And I don't want to be condescending. But I want to tell people, think before you open your pie hole. It don't come from the TV studio where they made the movie on a cable to your house. Even if it was, he's still the prince of the power of the air. So everything that's dependent on the air, spiritually and physically, he is over it. He's behind the scenes of it. I don't care if they give uh, money to St. Jude's Hospital or Breast Cancer Awareness or whatever, or to the church. I don't care what they do on the forefront. Behind the scenes, they are being controlled by the prince of the power of the air, and they get into your head. That's why you don't feel too bad about missing church anymore. Over time, we, we kind of get toned down, you see. It doesn't matter. When I was, oh, Lord, here he goes, when I was growing up. Our parents were lay parents, not preacher, preacher, none of that. Our parents were lay parents. If it was open, if the door was unlocked at church, you were there. You were there. I might not learn everything my mom and daddy taught me, but friend, I learned how to go to church. And I learned when you're supposed to go to church. When do you go to church? When you don't have a conflict anywhere else. No, you go to church before you go anywhere else. Because if you don't, you might start developing conflicts. Because the devil's, well, that's working. Let's just, let's just foster that and massage that. Get some exceptions in there. You got to watch out. He's not playing around with you, folks. He's trying his best to get you into just, if he can get you into the threshold of hell, he's got you for all eternity. Well, I'm saved. If you're not convicted right now, you're not saved. If that's not your standard, you're not saved. You go tell any theologian, self-appointed, you look up anything you want to. If, if what, and I'm not telling you, I'm telling you what the Bible says. If the Bible does not define your standard and that doesn't mean more to you than breathing right now, then you need to go back according to Jesus to the church at Revelation chapter 2 and you need to do your first works over again because they kind of died out with you. Amen, preacher. A to the men. You better, you better, while we're on this, while we're on this. Now, I know I go on vacation once a year or something like that. Don't nobody get whacked up with me. I'm telling you. I'm not in the mood for that, man. I'm wore out. I told y'all that. Ha! I do that when I get wore out. So it better be encouraging or it better be helpful. If you come to me with something like that, man, you're going to say, I ain't going to church right no more. I say, you probably ought not to because it's there right now. So I'm not talking about weird stuff. Don't, 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 don't be fooled by him. What I'm talking about, the trumpet's about to sound. If 17 months hadn't done anything at all to wake you up, you really need to come down here and you need to crawl to this and you need to hug it until the Bible's real. I told Angie this week in closing now, I told her this week, I said, you know what? I said, I believe most Christians believe the Bible, 
I believe they believe that's the word of God. I, I'm just convinced now after pastoring a long time, I, I'm convinced that people just don't believe the Bible. They don't believe there's nothing that's happened in 17 months that has any association with prophecy. None. I just heard somebody, you know, vaccines, not the mark of the beast. I tell you the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, not this one. It's not. Everything that's going on, and don't, don't be fooled by that. There's a lot of false doctrine out there. I'm really closing now. Vaccine is not the mark of the beast, folks. But everything that's been happening in your life, in my life, everything is for preparation. Everything. Whether you vaxxed or unvaxxed, whether you've had COVID or you haven't had COVID, whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask, everything that's gone on, everything down to believing there's a corn shortage, a coin shortage, a corn, there might be a corn shortage too. We're going to be food supply after long is, you know, the word on the street, the censored street anyway. So everything that's happened, everything is to condition the lamb being led to the slaughter. That's what everything is. doesn't matter where you stand, what you've done, or what you haven't done. You cannot be ignorant of where you're living right now. And I'm telling you all this to tell you that we need unity right now because Jesus is about to return because all the signs are there, all the prophecies that had to be fulfilled, Jesus coming, Pentecost, everything, the blood moons we've heard about, all the things, wars, rumors of war, everything is happening. It's on a, a very strict timeline here. And the church has got to have unity so we can drip with oil, so we can live in a good and pleasant way so that God can command blessing right now because we need blessings of healing. We need blessings of restoration. We need blessings of miracles. We need blessings of people being saved that were on drugs or a prostitute or a homosexual or an atheist. We need God to command blessing right now and we are not going to see these promised things unless we have unity. And I need you to stand on that if you will. Hallelujah. Because God is ready but the question is, are we ready? Are we ready? I'm good. That was all right. Oh, I, I see where some of that, you know, falls into place. But I want to ask you, do, has there been anything at all? Now, I didn't need COVID to convince me that it's getting close to rapture or the church being raptured or the Lord calling his bride. I didn't need that. But I will tell you this. Oh boy. The pace really picked up for me because I could see a ton of signs. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say anything. But looking at everything through the lens of this book right here, because that's what I've done. I don't believe. I, I try every spirit to see if it's of God. That's why I have the convictions about everything that's gone on. I've tried everything. I, I, I know what's of God and what's of man. See, when you look at everything through the eyes of this book right here, does anything at all even look 
suspicious to you? Like, you know, the Lord could really come back soon and very soon. We could go see the king. And if, if you say, well, not really. I mean, you know, we just ran into a bump in the road. Honey, this ain't a bump in the road. This is a big crater, a big hole. It's a chasm called hell. And it's to get as many people. And so that's why the world's gone even crazier than crazy. Amen? I mean, it's foolish right now. But I want to just concentrate on what I've been preaching about. And that is, can you find you a place and say, God, I want to be, I want to be in that, that number. You see, God's getting the remnant together. I want to be in that remnant. And if you're in that remnant, you, you're going to make some lifestyle changes. You're going to reevaluate your schedule. You're going to reevaluate what you do. If, if we didn't have that meeting, and I'm not bragging, but I'm just telling you what it looks like on Sunday afternoon for me and my wife. If we did not have that meeting over at the school, you know what our schedule is. We will go home, and now we'll crash and have to wake up off and on, but we will go through one, two, or three other additional church services. We can watch anything we want to. We can walk in the yard. We can do that. But that's what I want, man. That's, that's what I want. All the other stuff, it messes my mind up. It gets me thinking things I shouldn't think. It, it makes me start questioning things of God and start entertaining more of the world. And so you're saying, God, I, I'm going to do whatever for me personally, but for my family to have unity and for this church to have unity. If this rings a bell, we're going to pray together. So if you would just find, no, no look, only if you are feeling drawn by the Spirit today. I, I would like for you just to come from these columns all the way over that baptistry and in the aisle. You spread out. I don't want anybody to be preoccupied with somebody being close to you or nothing like that. So just being mindful of coming to the altar. And I'm going to ask you to please do that. Just create space in the aisles. And while you are coming, I want to talk to people who are not saved just say Lord Jesus I'm not saved and if you're online I want you to really evaluate don't tell me what you did when you were eight years old I'm talking about are you in a relationship with Jesus right now don't tell me what you learned what you quoted that you got baptized at camp or something like that but you don't really think about Jesus he's not really on your mind for 20 years or 40 years or you know you come to church every now and then you'll open your Bible if you're not saved I want you to say Jesus Christ if you're here and you come right here I'll pray with you if you're online or in the building and you're not at the altar I want you to just say Jesus I need to be Unified with you first. I'm not in. I'm not in that step with you, Lord. So God, would you help me to know that today is the day of salvation for me? 
and you would forgive me of my sin, that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness, Lord. I don't want to lay down tonight and die and go to hell. I don't want to leave this life and then go to a life that is not life at all, but it's punishment for rejecting you as my Savior. Forgive me. If you prayed this prayer or a prayer similar like this, from your heart and you mean it, you say, Jesus, I really want to be saved today. I want to be a brand new creation. I know you are good enough, Lord, I'm not, to not only wash me, but forget and not hold it to my account. The Bible says he's just and he's willing. So, Father, would you do that? And the Bible says that everything will be new. People might still call you the same name they refer to you. But I'm going to tell you right now, in the eyes of God, you belong to Him. Help me. I once was blind, folks. But now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know how. But when you touch me. Now my life song sings. I believe all of us came alive today in unity. I once was dead, but now I live. Now my life to you I give. know this next part it just simply says hallelujah hallelujah let my life song sing what you're saying today, folks. Mean it. Lord, this week, the 
enemy is going to challenge us with the seed that's in our heart. God, because I know what happened in the second chapter of Acts when people did this very thing. Unity was what preceded the church being born. People had to be in one mind and one accord first, Lord. Lord, and I believe that that generation we talked about, this generation right now, this generation at this church, God, we as leaders, we as parents, as grandparents, as friends, as brothers and sisters of the faith, we've got to not lead them astray, but we've got to, we've got to demonstrate and we've got to produce unity, Lord. And it has to be genuine so that that's what they will depend on, Lord. Anybody can put on a show, Lord, but the anointing is still the difference maker. God, we need the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart to be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name. Before you move, I do want to tell you on the screen, if you're here or online, there is instructions. If you'll text that word, SAVED, it will, it will um, get you information. I love everybody here. And I want to tell you all, we... we we can't do it effectively without each other. Because there's strength in, I know I said two, but there's strength in numbers. And I give this example all the time. At least 5,000 people were fed, then 4,000 were fed, then 500 people saw Jesus at one time. But do you know after all that died down, only 120 went to the upper room? So that means about 120 people were willing to be unified. Everybody else was fat, happy, satisfied from the fish. Oh, I saw him so they could go post. Oh, yeah, Jesus is alive. Me and 499 people saw him. Listen to me. There's a lot riding on what was preached today. We can listen to it and receive it. You can think about it and mull on it if you have to. But it would be better if you say, God, I'm going to practice it right now. I mean, like right now at this altar and say, you know, without getting in anybody's face for over like eight seconds, it, it would do you good to just say, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. Fist bump, fist bump. Now, I, I'll hug you, Zoe, because I, I can. But I'll hug all y'all. Starting with Rick. I'll have to reach up to hug Rick. But I'll hug him, though. I love him, and I love everybody here. And I'm ready to see what God's going to do. Aren't you?